0: Welcome back to the Jake Beckett Show podcast. I'm your host, Jake Beckett. Thrilled to be back with you in the house again for another great episode. Uh, It's been a busy week. Uh, As we've discussed over these past few weeks since launching the podcast, this is not just going to be a news of the day show. This is a weekly format right now. Uh, I intentionally don't want to get into the day-to-day minutiae. I want to I want to zoom out. I want to talk about bigger topics, not just politics, uh, not just news of the day, as we've discussed over the past couple of episodes. But sometimes uh, the the news of the week forces my hand, and I do want to address the news that happened this week. There were a couple of events that I want to particularly speak about because they are important, and I do want to uh, I do want everyone to know where I stand on these things because they're not, just, they're not just news items. They really are issues of civilizational importance. And those two news items are the uh, murder of Christians, the massacre of Christians in Nashville, Tennessee, by a trans murderer. This week, and then also the indictments of President Trump and Doug Mackey, the the memester, who who, who both were indicted in in New York courts just this week. So uh, momentous events. But first, I, I do want to address uh, something that has hit near and dear uh, to my home, right here in Central Arkansas. All over the state of Arkansas, we've been struck by some very severe. Storms and tornadoes um, on on Friday in uh, afternoon and evening. Some really devastating damage here in Little Rock, where I live. Some uh, extensive damage throughout the state. Uh, the tornadoes tracked along a, a southwest and northeast line from central Arkansas up in up towards Memphis. Uh, there was catastrophic damage in Wynn, Arkansas. I understand there was some lo- loss of life as well. So uh, keep uh, Central Arkansas in your prayers. Um, this is uh, it, it was really it, it was really tough. I mean, it was a it was a brutal day yesterday. People are still digging out. Um, you know, once once the storms passed my neighborhood, I, I, I jumped in my truck and went down. Uh, it, it was about a mile away from my home where the tornado path uh, crossed, and I, I tried to get as far as I could to see if anyone needed help, but. The road was blocked by rubble and debris and, and and buildings, frankly that were that were shredded to bits. It was a, it was a chaotic scene, uh, but thankfully, uh, as far as I know, as of today, on Saturday in Little Rock, there's been no loss of life in Central Arkansas. There's been some injuries, I understand. Um, people are beginning to dig out. Um, I hope you follow my my Twitter and social media. Um, I'll do my best to post information about relief efforts. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, people who have responded to videos and, and things that I've posted online uh, want to know where they can support, how they can support. It really is a blessing to see people from all over the country, not just in Arkansas or in the South, uh, people who are willing to, to extend a helping hand, uh, help out their brothers and sisters in a time of crisis. Um, and, and really, the, these storms were, were catastrophic in terms of damage throughout the state of Arkansas. So lift up Arkansas uh, in your prayers tonight and um you know keep uh keep an eye out for ways that you can help if you have the means uh, and the time to do so i i'm I'm reminded uh during during times like this of a great man of history i'll I'll have to do a podcast on andrew jackson at some point uh, former president andrew jackson he was a great warrior a great statesman lived an incredibly adventurous and exciting life uh, incredible ups and downs. Uh, his the, the trajectory of his life uh, reflected a lot of the, the, the ups and downs and the values of early America from the American Revolution through the War of 1812, through the uh, financial crises of the early 19th century and uh, the expansion as our country reached our manifest destiny. But what's not greatly understood about Andrew Jackson is that he was a, a very strong Christian. He was a man of faith. You know, you probably, what, what you're indoctrinated to believe about Andrew Jackson in schools and through the media is that he was a slave owner and uh, he uh, did the Trail of Tears and he was evil. I mean, th- that is, you are socially conditioned to have that response when you hear the name Andrew Jackson. But the truth is, is that he was a great warrior, a great statesman, a great American, and he was a Christian man, and as evidence of that, whenever I uh, see these, these terrible storms and loss of property and, and even loss of life, um, not just in my own state or not just in my own circumstances, but but anywhere, I'm reminded of Andrew Jackson's words when he learned that his beloved home, the Hermitage, outside of Nashville, Tennessee— had burned to the ground. See the, the Hermitage. So I, I I've spent some time in Nashville. I was stationed at Fort Campbell, which is not far from Nashville, the home of the 101st Airborne Division. And uh, if you're if you're in Central Tennessee or in in the area, uh, go check it out. The Hermitage, it's a really fantastic uh, uh, site. It's kind of like Mount Vernon was to George Washington. Uh, Andrew Jackson really uh, spent spent decades uh, perfecting and building and and creating this uh, this home, this estate that became the hermitage. And there were several iterations because there was damage. And in, in, as I referenced a minute ago, uh, one of the early versions of the hermitage burned to the ground. And Andrew Jackson was president at the time that he received the news that his beloved home, the hermitage, had burned to the ground. And President Jackson's immediate response And listen to these words carefully. His initial response was, the Lord gave me the means to build it. He has every right to destroy it. And blessed be his name. He gave me the means to build it. He has every right to destroy it. And blessed be his name. I mean, wow. What what a profession of faith that is. I mean, that's... Those are the words of a true believer, to have the faith of someone like Job, in the Old Testament, or or many others throughout throughout Scripture who who faced tremendous trials for their faith. The early Christians who were persecuted and tortured and crucified for their beliefs. Obviously, our Savior, who met the same fate. Um, what a what a profession of faith to be able to meet that kind of a trial with that attitude. And I know it's, it's easy for me to say sitting here, my home was not damaged. Uh, it's easy for many of us who are not facing similar trials to say that. But I hope and pray that that is my reaction when the inevitable storm comes, when the inevitable crisis comes in all of our lives. The Lord gave us the means to build it. He has every right to destroy it and blessed be his name. You hit that next button, and you move on with a song in your heart, with with a resolve of iron, and you carry on. Let, let that be a lesson to us all. And I, I think that's a pretty good segue into the first bit of news, this tragic and evil uh, shooting at the at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. As I said before, I lived in Nashville for about two and a half, three years when I was stationed there uh, at Fort Campbell, right there on the Tennessee-Kentucky line with the 101st Airborne Division, I know the city well. Um, I never uh, I never visited the Covenant School or went to that church, but um, a lot of my friends and, and people who i gotten to know uh, over the years uh, knew a lot of those people who were affected. And it, it really shines a light if that light needs to be shown any brighter on what time it is. Right now in America, you have a trans murderer going into a school with the specific intent to murder Christians. Now we we know this to a virtual certainty because it has come to light that the uh, the the pastor, one of the pastors of that church, and and someone who's involved in that school that the, they were affiliated was actually counseling this trans mass murderer. And uh, we, we can also uh, surmise, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's simple logic that the reason why the authorities have not released this, this trans killer's manifesto is that she was uh, intent on murdering Christians, specifically because they were Christians. These people are martyrs, these three children and three adults. Uh, they are martyrs. They died s- because they were Christians. And they should be treated as such, and you know it really goes to show you what time it is in this country. And it's really tragic to me because so few really get it, and that's that, that's the point that I wanted to make right now. I mean, where where would you yet be struck? That's that's the question that uh, that harkens from scripture that I'm asking every American: Where would you yet be struck? What else? Do we need to see before we wake up? You know, for for the longest time, there's been this uh, there's been this call to the silent majority. I mean, I I hate that term; it's really an insult. I mean, what kind of a majority is silent? Well, I I I can tell you right now, the American uh, right has been a silent majority. It's really a slap in the face, and deservedly so. The silent majority has been silent, and so we've allowed this evil to fester in our midst, and. It's something that I, I really want to address on a spiritual level. Um, I, I recently um, did a, a really fantastic Bible study in, on the book of Romans, St. Paul's letter to the church in Rome. It was a commentary by Pastor Douglas Wilson. Um, he, uh, he, he's a great biblical scholar and pastor of a church up in Idaho. And um, he, he writes great commentaries on, on several books of the Bible um, and one of his most recent ones is a commentary on the book of Romans, which was Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And to me, it's appropriate to to connect these these dots here because I see I see a, a striking similarity between the culture of ancient Rome uh, through Paul's eyes and modern American culture. And I'll explain why. So, Paul's letter to the church in Rome, which we know as the book of Romans, you know, we we think, first of all, just to back up, we think about, like, like, what was the church in Rome? Don't think about a building with a cathedral and stained glass windows. It wasn't like that. The the church in Rome was a small group of families, um, you know, meeting basically in secret. At the time that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome, uh, they weren't under immediate persecution yet, um, it was actually a rather peaceful time, relatively, especially compared to what was about to come uh, to, to the church in Rome. It was a relatively peaceful time. Um, you know, Obviously, tradition tells us that Paul was executed in Rome, uh, so there, were, there was persecution coming down the line. But at the time Paul wrote the letter to the church in Rome, uh, th- these group of families that were meeting in secret, uh, there wasn't there was an outright hostility to the burgeoning Christian church. Um, one of the things, so Paul was addressing many subjects in this great epistle. Uh, I recommend you read Douglas Wilson's commentary, and also you should read the book itself. Uh, there are many very famous chapters in Romans: Romans one, Romans eight, Romans thirteen, uh, dealing with many different subjects, particularly um, you know the relationship between uh, the the body of believers and the secular state. That's what Romans thirteen really addresses. But in Romans 1, Paul is addressing what I believe is happening right now in the United States of America. There was a movement in the early church in the first century AD, uh, and we know this from the Gospels and from Acts and from the Epistles, there there was a big movement among um, the the Jewish state and among these, these, these early Christians, followers of Christ. They called themselves followers of the way at that time there was a big movement to overthrow the Romans. Uh, the, the Romans had conquered Palestine, which we know is modern-day Israel, the Holy Land. They had conquered Palestine earlier, and they administered um, this, this conquered territory through, um, through uh, governors, administrators, like Pontius Pilate was. And there were many Jewish revolts, and there were many Christians, uh, converts from, from Judaism to, Christian, uh, to Christianity, who also wanted to overthrow their Roman oppressors. And in Romans 1, really over the entire letter, but specifically in Romans chapter 1, Paul was answering uh, a question about should we, should we overthrow the, the, our, our Roman oppressors? You know, should we participate in this upcoming Jewish rebellion against the Roman state? And, you know, there, there, were, there was a great deal of energy behind this movement because the, these Christians, they saw the society around them was utterly depraved and immoral. Um, and, and Paul's message to them was clear and unequivocal. Paul said that it is clear that, that God is judging a society. It is clear that God is judging a nation when there is a specific set of circumstances present. Okay. Like I, I, you know, when I was running for office, you know, I ran a statewide campaign here in Arkansas last year and the year before. And a common refrain that I heard then and I hear now is, man, did you see this latest thing? It's crazy. Man, this is insane. This, this lunacy from the left, like did you see this thing out there? It's crazy. I'm sure everyone, I mean, we all talk like this. It's not necessarily crazy. It's, it's demonic. It's, it's spiritual. It is evidence that God has handed us over to our depraved mind. That's what Paul was writing about in Romans 1. He was explaining to the church in Rome that look, like, like the, the, the level of sexual perversion, uh, immorality, um, you know just these complete acts of insanity as we would call it today, this is all evidence that God is judging this nation, Rome. He is judging this society, ancient Rome. And he was counseling the church in Rome, these early Christians. He was saying, look, by this evidence we know that God is judging this nation. And you don't want to get between God and his judgment of a nation. So, you know, like, like getting between a mother bear and his cubs, you don't want to get between God and his vengeance. So his counsel to them was do not participate in any rebellion. Do not, do not try to get involved in, the, the, in, Roman, in Roman politics. Don't try to get involved in the Roman state because God is in the process of judging them. He has handed them over to their depraved mind. And that's that's another interesting point that Paul that Paul explained. It's that you know it's not necessarily fire and brimstone coming down. It is God simply saying, not my will be done, your will be done. The 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 acts themselves, the sin themselves, is the punishment. That's what's happening. God is simply saying, I am handing, I am giving you over to your own perversions, to your own sin, to your own depravity. And you are going to deal with the consequences. I'm, I'm not protecting you anymore. I am handing you over. I am giving you over. That's the judgment. And I I, I firmly believe that that is what is happening to our country today. That, that's the only way to explain it. That's the only way to explain a, a depraved trans murderer Going into a school and mass murdering Christians—that's the only way to explain drag queen story hour for toddlers. That's the only way to explain drag brunches, um, mass riots. Um, you know all of the insane woke indoctrination that we see every single day through our mass media and our cultural institutions, and there's just there's no reaction to it. Because God has handed us over to that, to that sin, to that ideology. And, and He's not going to protect us anymore as, as a culture, as a society, as a whole. Now there's I mean thankfully, there, there can be a remnant. There can be groups of us that exist um, you know within within this depraved culture that reject it. But we have to be clear that we don't stand with this. And that's, you know, when when Joe Biden came out and said, after this, like, just if you need more evidence, you don't need more evidence, but if you need more, look at the White House's reaction to this mass murder of Christians. They came out on the side of the transgender community, whatever that is. They're talking about transgender days of awareness. Joe Biden said that the transgender community reflects the values of America. I couldn't agree more. That may have been the truest thing that Joe Biden has ever said. The most lucid statement that Joe Biden has ever made. The transgender community reflects the values of America. I mean, if you need more evidence of our, that, that God has handed us over to our depraved mind, then then you're never going to see, you're never going to understand. But I'm always going to give you the truth. On this podcast, I mean, I, I know that there might be some who who won't like to hear this message, but you need to hear it. I'm not going to shy away from it. And what's also disturbing has been the the reaction, the the response or lack thereof from our so-called leaders on the right and and, and the the population in general. You know, you you saw in the immediate aftermath of this. Uh, this mass murder of Christians in in Nashville, Tennessee. What happened? The left, the, the trans community, they stormed the Tennessee State Capitol in Nashville. Now we've been told for the past two years that is a violent insurrection, um, punishable by solitary confinement, by um, you know five to ten years in prison, uh, by vicious prosecution, You know, we've been told after January sixth that's the punishment for a violent insurrection storming the Capitol, but no, there was no equal and opposite response on the right. You know, I I saw a Tennessee Republican. uh, He's actually the leader of the Tennessee um, House Republicans in the Tennessee State Legislature. This guy I saw on Twitter, he was posting a photo. um, You know, of these of this mob outside, you know, this mob outside Lot, Lot's house from Genesis, this mob outside the state Capitol. And he was saying, you know, hey, even though I don't agree with, with your views, you know, I, I welcome the debate. I, I welcome the, the opportunity to converse with you. That's what he was saying right before they stormed the Capitol and had to be restrained before they tore everyone to bits. Like, that is who we are led by on the right. These useful idiots. This controlled opposition. These Republicans who simply, they don't, like, they don't understand what the enemy is. And they really weren't built for this. I mean, as I've explained, I I explained in the first episode, most of these Republican politicians, and trust me, I've seen them on the campaign trail. um, I've been observing them for years in office. They're they're dodgeball targets. They're nerds. They, they, they're they people who grew up, you know, they they ran for student council in middle school and high school. And, you know, they were in the, you know, uh, uh, political student groups. And, you know, their dream was to get involved in politics because that was their path to relevance. And that was their path to um, self-esteem. And, you know, I'm going to be this office holder and um, I'm going to get my name on a door somewhere. I might get my name in the paper. They they never really saw their mission as fighting back the wolves, as leading the right in this existential crisis that we're in. So they're just not like they don't even know what's going on right now. Like they still see themselves as James Madison, in a in a white powdered wig, um, you know, debating the the anti federalists in 1802. They just don't they just don't get it, and they never will. I mean that's why the the GOP is a it's a it's a fake controlled opposition, and unfortunately, um, even though that is that is self evidently true, unfortunately, a lot of the base the the conservative base has has fallen for this ideology hook line and sinker as well, and that's that might be the most bitter pill to swallow of them all is that even people who vote Republican take it for me. I just ran for statewide office in a deep red state. Even people who, you know, vote Republican and would say they are for conservative values, they really don't and, and like the people who are probably in your group chats and your family, they're talking about how crazy things are. They still mostly agree with a lot of the ideology. And I'm not blaming these people. It's 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 the result of decades of generations of social conditioning of propaganda, of media influence, of the public education system, okay, they they actually believe this stuff. Okay, they think, well, you know, you can be trans, um, you know, that's fine. Just leave me alone. I just want to grill and watch the game. Like, they don't understand what we're up against. They don't understand that 25% of young people today Identify as somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, compared to one percent less than forty or fifty years ago. Okay, historically, it's less than one percent identified as that. Now it's over a quarter, and that's rapidly expanding. So you've got this this army of of militant, um, you know, mentally unstable ideologues, foot soldiers who are now arming themselves to the teeth. You know, you've got these trans days of vengeance that are coming, and I I suspect that this, this mass murder of Christians at the Covenant School in Nashville was a direct response to the Tennessee legislature's attempt to fight back against trans surgeries for minors, okay, and so again, like, as I, I applaud these leaders for at least, like, thinking about doing these things, but again, like, the fact that Christian schools are not armed to the teeth and ready to defend themselves. The fact that churches are not ready to beat back the wolves, the fact that the leaders of the Tennessee GOP House uh, caucus are still talking about debating with these people as they gather in a bloodthirsty mob outside the state capitol shows that we still don't get it as a movement. And, and that, that is the hardest pill, I think, for, for people to swallow, that there really is no reactionary movement yet. I hope to build it sometime in the future, but for right now, it doesn't exist. Um, a, a lot of that energy is being channeled into uh, movements that have been a failure, like the GOP, you know, like the, the Tea Party wave. You know, like, like going back to the, the Reagan revolution was a failure. The Tea Party revolution was a failure. The Trump Revolution was a failure so far. you know even even though you have the number one rated show on on cable news, Tucker Carlson, who is speaking the truth, I mean every single day dropping t- truth bombs every single evening on his show is speaking the truth, if you haven't watched his uh, opening monologue on uh, w- w- which I, I addressed in part on the, the the spiritual battle that is going on between Christianity and the trans movement, go watch that. Tucker gets it. And he is explaining to his massive audience what we're up against, but there is still no real appetite for actual resistance. I, I guess things just haven't gotten bad enough yet. And and that really brings me to the other um, news events that I want to address this week, which are the indictments of President Trump and Douglas Mackey, the memester who created uh, memes back in... Uh, the 2016 campaign cycle, you know, one of his memes was, uh, you know, a, a parody. It was telling Democrats to to stay home and vote by text for Hillary Clinton. You know, that was obviously a joke. You can't vote by text. People have done that for years. They they've done it uh, in 2016 against Trump. They've done it in 2020 against Trump. But those people aren't being convicted in court and facing 10 years in prison the way Douglas Mackey is. That's what time it is. The left is they've really they've dropped the mask, so to speak, and it's it's really outright uh, political persecution if you have political views that are against the regime. And that brings me to Trump. Now I'm not going to get too deep into this because you know I'm look I'm I, I don't want to wade too deeply into the 2024 campaign. Quite frankly, I don't think it really matters. Um, you know, I, I think that Trump has done some good things, particularly his campaign rhetoric. I think that Ron DeSantis has done some very good things as governor of Florida. I think there's very little that can be done at the federal level now. I mean, like, do I think that it would be better if we had a GOP president than a Democrat president in 2024? Yes, of course. But I'm just not convinced that is possible. We can get we can get deeper into that on future podcasts. But the the truth of the matter is that Donald Trump is the first former president to be indicted to face criminal charges. And, you know, that's I'm I'm obviously that's an outrage. And it's something that should be very upsetting to Republicans and moderates and and Democrats if they're honest everywhere, which most of them are not. But you should be outraged that you know, any former political leader, or, or he's, the, he's the current front runner for president in the, in the opposition party in 2024, and now he is facing criminal charges by a state government. Um, you know, that, that should be an outrage to everyone. But my main question to President Trump would be, why would you surrender yourself to the New York authorities? I think that's a very important question. Um, you know, I think I think Ron DeSantis made a mistake initially by kind of punting on the question of the indictment. Um, you know, I get it that hey, maybe you 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 wouldn't be inclined to defend President Trump after he was uh, you know accusing your campaign of of campaign violations. Um, you know, has been bashing you in the media for the past few months. Like, I get it. But, you know, Governor DeSantis, if he wants to be president, if he wants to win, he's going to have to show that he is David to Trump's Saul. Okay? You know, David had Saul dead to rights in the cave, as, as you all recall from Scripture. But David didn't kill Saul in the cave when he had every opportunity because Saul was God's anointed. Even though David was, was, he was the next, uh, he was the next in line, he was anointed by Samuel to take Saul's place. But Saul was still God's anointed, and David knew that he could not murder Saul. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that, that DeSantis is David and Trump is Saul. I'm, just, I'm using that as a metaphor to explain that if DeSantis has any chance of winning in the 2024 primary, he needs to show the people, he needs to show the base, that he's not attacking Trump, that he is who Trump said he was in 2015 and 2016. That Ron DeSantis is the guy who Trump voters thought they were voting for, okay? Like, because it is a fact that, like, Trump is a brilliant campaigner. Everyone, I mean, like, like, you're an idiot if you don't see that. Trump is a brilliant campaigner when it comes to the rhetoric, when it comes to the rallies, when it comes to his ability to create a spectacle. I mean, he is an, he's the best campaigner I've ever seen. He is great at attacking his opponents on the right, Uh, whether it be DeSantis or Ted Cruz or Rand Paul or Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio. I mean, he is a magician when it comes to campaigning. But when it comes down to governing, when it comes down to his promises to build the wall and deport illegal immigrants, didn't happen. Sorry if you, you know, if you don't want to believe that, but it's true. Um, You know, when it comes down to uh, you know, draining the swamp and defeating the deep state. You know, there was this interview with Sean Hannity that he gave, um, you know, last week, where uh, he, you know Hannity asked him point blank, like, "Hey, like you appointed, you nominated Christopher Ray to replace James Comey. Like, was that a mistake?" And and Trump, you know, Trump will do this. He'll he'll be honest. He'll say, "Yeah, you know, maybe I made a mistake, but you know, Chris Christie and the Democrats wanted Christopher Ray, so I gave them what they wanted." Like, what? like you nominated a guy because Chris Christie and the Democrats liked him. Okay, it is true that in 2020 Trump handed his administration over to Fauci. It is true that Trump still has been an a, a fierce advocate for the vaccines, the the jabs. Okay, we can get deeper into that. That is a is a catastrophic mistake. You know, we all thought that Trump was going to be this uh um, tough-on-crime authoritarian figure like my man Nayib Bukele in El Salvador. He's actually doing that. He's rounding up uh, gang members and throwing them in prison. He's reduced his country's murder rate by 50% already. We thought Trump was going to do that because that's what he said he was going to do. And then when he actually governs, he advocated for and signed the First Step Act, jailbreak. He's got Kim Kardashian in the Oval Office, and they're letting violent criminals free. I mean, this guy who stabbed... A, a Senator Rand Paul staffer in D.C. last week was out of prison because of the First Step Act. Like, I get it that blue cities and blue states have, have built off of the First Step Act, but the First Step Act gave them the federal air cover to initiate these jailbreak policies, okay? And that, that's on Trump. So, I mean, look, like, I know that I occupy a, 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 an area of politics That is, is, as I explained earlier, that a lot of people just, they just don't, they're not there yet. I'm trying to get people there, but I'm, I'm over here speaking the truth. And there's a lot of people out there who just, you know, like they, they just don't, they don't, they don't follow these things. They don't know yet. And so again, that's, that's why I had this platform. That's why I started this podcast to, to explain these things. To the people, to get my views out there, I, I'm not. I'm not afraid of controversy. Clearly, I'm not afraid of being attacked from the left, um, Democrats or Republicans. Um, and my commitment to you, to the audience, is I'm always going to speak the truth. And so, you know, when it comes to these momentous events, the mass murder of the mass murder of Christians by a trans. Uh, killer in Nashville, Tennessee, whether it be the indictment of a a former president, of a guy making memes, you know, if if there's ever going to be a wake-up call, it would be now. But I go back to Romans 1. I go back to Paul's letter to the church in Rome. God has given us over to his, to, to our own depraved mind. And, you know, where we go from here, we have to be the remnant. Okay, we have to be the faithful. You know, God God is clear throughout the New Testament in Romans and Revelation when He's when when, when God is addressing these churches, there can there, there can always be a remnant. We're not condemned because of the times that we're living through. Okay, but playtime is over. This is this is no longer Mayberry. You know, Maybe you were born into Mayberry. Maybe you were born in Leave it to Beaver, America. Those days are over, and they're not coming back anytime soon. Our task and the task of generations to come after us, we have to build from scratch the same type of... We, we have to rebuild. We, we, have, we have to do what the left did for the past 75 years. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to happen overnight. It, it's It's not going to happen... With the waving of a wand, and it's certainly not going to happen as so many of these GOP politicians do, with the waving of your pocket constitution. You know, like they're Harry Potter trying to cast a spell on the left. That's not how it works. Okay, okay. The, oh, the Constitution protects liberty. Well, it didn't. So what next? Well, what's next is you listen to this podcast, you subscribe, you share it with your friends and your family and people who believe what we believe, or who are at least open to what I have to say to you. And we get to work. That's what I'm doing here in Arkansas. That's what I'm doing all over the country. And I hope you join me. Again, uh, keep central Arkansas, uh, win Arkansas, uh, the entire southeast in your prayers this weekend. uh, And next week as we begin to clean up uh, this extensive catastrophic damage from these tornadoes. Uh, But until next time, I'm Jake Beckett, host of The Jake Beckett Show, and we'll talk to you again soon. God bless.